He's the Deacon Deacon Jeff Rosignol. It's a fine blend of discipleship and entertainment. Truth is here. Uh, good morning, Father. Um, please get me out of your way that your truths would be lifted up, that the Christians here would be encouraged to uh, chase you even more. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. This is the end of January. We're coming into February. Uh, next week is February already. So the first month is down. There's only 11 months left of the year. What do you think of that? Feeling good? 2016? We are in a series. It's a series called Be Responsible. Now the big idea is this. is There's a lot going on out there among the ministers. So this is part of my own little personal pursuit to get a grip on this particular topic. So I'm using this as an opportunity to also teach you all, but it allows me to go deep as well. So kill two birds with one stone. But the big idea about why we read our Bibles is so that uh, we won't conform to this world and will be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So God's after our brain. He wants us to know these truths so that we can uh, love him and serve him. Okay? But first, I'm going to do a moment in social media. What does it look like to be a Christian in Facebook? Because there's always opportunities. So here's a live demo from Monday, or this, yeah, it was Monday, from this week. So a friend slash family member posted this on, and now I know this person is very intelligent, super smart, and a non-believer. So he put this little cartoon up there, you know, shop for a new tie, make macaroni, do cardio, don't let the existential dread set in, don't let it set in, vacuum the rug. So, you know, avoid this ex now, existential dread. For someone who doesn't believe in God, they have no hope. They don't know why they're here. They're just... They, they don't know that everything's meaningless, and they know it deep in their heart, even though they try to keep a smile. Now, if you can see details here, there's a smile, but there's sweat, and the person's shaking. Deep in their heart, they know their life is meaningless and fruitless and pointless, and, it, and they don't know anything, so they're terrified deep in their heart. Now, when he posted this, some of his friends of like-mindedness like, Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? They, that's part of their daily week. But they'll attack the Christians, anyone who believes in God, right? Well, that bothered me. How, could I, how do you answer that as a Christian? Do you get into a discussion or a debate on Facebook and have it take up all your time? So, I didn't answer right away, and this is going to be points on how to communicate with social media, because it is a good tool. So this is what I did. I walked away from it, and I'm thinking, getting ready for the day, and then it's like, I can't go down this trail because liberals and... and, and People who think they're smarter than me are just going to attack this topic. And this one is like, what can I do? And then a Bible verse came to me. Well, a fool thinks in his heart there is no God and they're evil. And then it's like, doesn't Ecclesiastes say something about the purpose of man? Yes, it does. It's towards the end. It says something about God's given the purpose of man. And then I thought, well, didn't Jesus promise to give us life to the fullest if we follow him? That's right. That's right. So it's like, wait a minute, I'm not going to say anything to this guy. I'm going to cut and paste some Bible verses. So that's exactly what I did. 
I grab Psalm 14.1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Then I went to Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And then finally, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Now, I did bookend it with this. I said, I got the answer to your existential dread, smiley face, because it's family, right? I got the answer to it. And then at the end of it, I said, I'm feeling better already. Because that is the answer. And there's a cousin, a rocket scientist cousin, who who's, um, is an atheist. So I had to hit that part first. Then we talk about, well, we exist for God, period. Whether you like it or not, you exist for God. You better get a grip on that. And then, oh, by the way, if you follow Jesus, you're going to find your existence and the fulfillment of everything you're chasing for is in Jesus. So, bam, right? No replies, no likes. Whoever commented stopped commenting. I was, I was wondering when I went back to check if he was going to take it down. So, it just stopped it, which was good because it was nonsense. You know, I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm going to use that cartoon and other things because that's all an atheist has to offer you is existential dread, right? Just bad stuff. But what I want, here's a demo of it really happened, but let me explain something. It's very easy <clears throat> to look at your friend, say something stupid, and want to discuss it with them. And, blah, 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 and that'll go into all these rabbit trails and all these... And it's just too long to land the plane, and you won't. It's best just to grab the Bible verse, especially because of cut and paste, and nail them. Just give it to them. Because if they, if they don't like this, then they don't like God. And it's not your problem. Does that make sense? But use that to your advantage. It's really easy. And of course, if you're not into social media, that's cool. Don't sweat it. But for those of you who are out there, you're connected, you, you have the most easiest way to stab people with the word of the sword of the spirit. It's very easy to go, oh, hmm, that's bleh, and just give them truth. Because no one else is ever doing that. In the 80s, when the people would sit at the coffee shops and the libraries and whenever, and they'd have discussions, did they ever just give the truth? It's hard to remember the truth. But because of, because of social media, you can sit back and say, wait a minute. Go say, I think there's a verse here. Google can find your Bible verse easier than anything ever. Jesus talking about being the life. All the verses go up. You can go to a Bible app, grab it in seconds. You can find truth and give it to somebody. No other generation has had that ability to give biblical truth concisely as this one. So use it. We'll do more of these down the road because it's possible. But here's what I'm hearing. See, out there in the world, John Piper, I'm going to bring him up because he's the, he's the instigator of this, I think. <clears throat> it all comes back to those Syrian refugees and Muslims coming into our country. How do you receive a Muslim culture? Because it's counterculture to freedom, the Sharia law, all this stuff. 
And when you let in Syrian refugees that are all Muslim, and one in ten has no problem blowing themselves up with you. Period. That's, but they believe their Quran and uh, the rest of their oral laws enough that they have no problem to kill you. Is it Christian to let them into the country carte blanche and just let them go do what they want? Is that, the, is that loving your neighbor as yourself? That's the big debate out there. John Piper would also say a Christian should not have a gun. So if anyone comes into your house to do harm to your wife or children, a Christian should let don't resist an evil person. Right? And, you know, it'd be more godly for you to just let them come in and destroy, watch them destroy your family and steal them and then kill you. That would be godly and you'd become a martyr and you'd give glory to God. I have a massive problem with that because I think that is anti-godly, anti-biblical, unloving, unneighborly. It's the opposite of what it means to be a Christian servant who follows Jesus, who loves Jesus. So, and he's just finished up a conference where he talked about that. But the issue is that I'm hearing is I call it when people are writing their theology with a crayon. And they're using broad strokes of stupidity rather than getting down to the details. So that's what I want to do is I want to arm you with truth so that you can logically, if, you know, if a guy come, or if someone tries to bust into your house, you have a theological reason to send them into eternity, okay? So they don't hurt your wife or children or, or anything like that. But let's talk, and here's the, here's the battles that I think Christians are confused about. And notice it's always pseudo-dichotomies. I always listen for that. When they're, you know, um, we're going to use one today, but the justice of God in the Old Testament versus the love of Jesus in the New Testament. Well, isn't Jesus loving and God mean? And the Christians have this mindset of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mean God. I've heard one Christian radio show called God the Draconian um, God of the Old Testament because of justice. And it's like, who do you think you are, buddy? <laughs> You know, and this was a Christian speaker saying that. Shame on them to call themselves a Christian and call God the righteous, just father, draconian. Draconians like Jews uh, being taken by the Nazis in the, in the war. They would just say, we don't like you. First, let's put a mark, and then we're going to come and take you. That's draconian. That's what it means. But here's some of the things. Equal opportunity versus equal results. That's why the last two weeks we've talked about being responsible as Christians. Um, Christian martyrdom versus irresponsible victim. Massive confusion here. We're going to spend time in there. Um, lethal self-defense versus pacifism. I think these two are quasi-synonymous on that. Justice versus revenge. Justice versus love. And Christian liberty versus Christian love. We're going to discuss those things. I think this is where all the confusion lies. Because one, they think there's, in this case, justice versus love. We think there's a conflict there. Or justice versus mercy. Or justice versus grace. There's no conflict there. Uh, Christian martyrdom versus irresponsible victim. I think this is a real battle that needs to be looked at. Because Christian martyrdom, we look at the movies and we think we're just supposed to do what Jesus did and walk along until they chop our head off. 
right? Like the Thief in the Night movies. The second movie, all the Christians are sitting in the church and they'd come up with the clipboard and they'd call your name and now back's the guillotine. Just sit there and wait your turn. You're going to die. Don't worry. Don't resist. Just sit and wait because your turn's coming, right? No resistance, right? And then they're going to leverage Jesus saying, don't resist an evil person. So... And I just want to say, in all that, if you think about it, imagine the sin of the founding fathers of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. Now, Thomas Jefferson wasn't a Christian, but he was a theist. All right? They're all going on God's principles to the, why there's a free country. According to the preachers nowadays, those men were in sin and should not have done what they did. They shouldn't have stood up and fought for a free country and fought tyranny, which is an equivalence of evil. They shouldn't have done that. So I have a problem here because if the, the, the big super preachers nowadays, if they're saying that, that um, uh, resistance with a weapon is sin, then our founding fathers were sinful and writing that constitution was sinful. And I got huge problems with that. But before we go down there, we needed to build some... Before we talk about the issue of self-defense in a Christian, we need to look at the issues of trusting and obeying God and being the Christian responsibility. Because these are not in conflict. Like, um, let me give you an exa a computer example. So, Windows 10, the start button stopped working. The startup menu just stopped working. So I'm Googling, why is the start menu stop working on this? It's start, not stop. Well, there's some coding problems. So you had to get some new codes and updates and then for the programs to work. I can't teach you about self-defense unless we've got the coding, the fundamental truth down. We've got to build up to this because truths lead to truths lead to truth. All right? We have to start here before we can say this. So, and this is my own exploratory preaching as well. So we're going to talk, first of all, Here's one that confuses a lot of people that, honestly, you never hear preachers say. Justice is good. Justice is good. Alright? Justice is not bad. You know, I was having a debate with a Christian about abortion. And um, in, before abortion became legal, women would go into dark alleys and do horrible things to themselves to murder their child, and in doing so, hurt themselves. So one of the rationale of the abortion people is, we want to rescue these women. And I'm like, hey, if I've got a mole, and I do, and I take a butter knife and a, a spatula and try to remove it myself and damage myself, isn't that stupidity on my part, right? Is it the mole's fault? You know, should, no, no, we're going to surgically, we're going to take care of it all so that you can safely do that. You know, and with a mole, that's one thing, but a, another human being, we're going to murder this human being for you so you don't hurt yourself while trying to murder that human being, right? There's an inbuilt justice that if someone wants to murder their, their baby inside them that bad that they're willing to damage and risk their own life to do so, there's a justice in there that is not bad but good. And this friend said, so you mean if a woman damages herself or kills herself trying to murder her baby, that's justice? And this was a couple years ago and I'm like, oh yeah, justice, we can't have justice. What? 
Wait a minute. Yes, yes, we can have justice. Justice is good. Here's some injustice that happened just this week. Um, this David Dalden, the Center for Medical Progress, he's the guy who pretended to be a um, selling baby parts, and he he did all the secret videotaping of Planned Parenthood. And so when they brought it to court, he's getting indicted for pretending to be uh, an agency, even though his sting operation had video of, of Planned Parenthood willing to sell him dead babies, mur their murdered parts, um, he's going to go to jail. They want to take him to jail for pretending versus the video of the people actually, the, the murdered babies and wanting to sell their parts. That's injustice. That's the opposite of justice. This is evil, pure, pure evil in our land. And of course Proverbs 28 5 says evil men do not understand justice but those who seek the Lord understand all things. That's in Proverbs. Remember what Jesus said? Don't worry about these things but seek first my kingdom and my righteousness but those who seek the Lord understand justice. Okay? Got some Bible verses here. Here we go. Justice is good. It's in the Old Testament. Psalm 106.3 Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Right? This is a, this is a favorite one of, of youth and teenagers. Adults use different terms, but they still mean the same thing. It's not fair. We all have in us that we all know what justice is if somebody did it to us, right? That's not fair. I'm going to, right? And we got that attitude. That's not fair. We have that compass in us. But we're all ready to let something bad happen to someone else as long as it's not us. Leviticus 19.15 you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. Wait a minute, doesn't it say don't judge? Didn't Jesus say don't judge? This is talking about a court system. In righteousness you judge. Okay? Good. Justice is good. Justice is our friend. Leviticus 19.15. This is an interesting one. I'm going to bring this up a little later. Not today, but later weeks. This is really juicy. I'm surprised no preachers said this before. Shame on all the preachers out there. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. Now remember where Jesus says, um, you've heard that it is said, um, hate your enemies. But love your neighbor, you know, but love your friends or love your neighbors. But look at this. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. His sin, if you don't react rightly and reason frankly with them, you'll become the sinner. And God will accuse you. Hey, 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 bad attitude, buddy. Right? You shall not hate your brother in your heart. That's exactly what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, which we're going to unpack another week. But that's such a juicy one. Now, Isaiah 61.8, For 
I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. This is contextually talking about the Jews, but it starts with this universal truth. For I, the Lord, love justice and hate robbery and wrong. Okay? So now let's go to that point of... Isn't God mean in the Old Testament and Jesus nice in the New Testament? Moses and the Ten Commandments and that big fiery mountain and lightning and people were scared. Right? And then we come to Jesus and, and didn't Obama say when he was promoting sexual immorality that, hey, we're supposed to love. So let's encourage all forms of evil in the name of the love of Jesus. Right? That's what Obama does. However, what I'm going to show you is two New Testament passages. This is the meat. Everything else was the, the potatoes, the carrots. Here comes the steak. Okay? The steak is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. This is the meat of the matter. Now I want you to see how justice is baked into this. This is talking about that loving Jesus, the one who wears the robes and is all the movies, right? This Jesus, let's look at this. This is juicy. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as it is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of, uh, every one of you for one another is increasing. Well, okay, we got love, we got faith, we got all the stuff we're going to hear from the TV preachers. This is looking pretty warm and fuzzy. The American Christian message, if there ever was, right? Here we go. But then watch what happens. Therefore, this is Paul writing. Now, Paul has experienced persecution. When you remember when we went through the book of Acts, every time Paul did something good, someone tried to kill him. All right? Therefore, we ourselves boast about you. He's talking about a local church. In your churches of God, for you, your steadfastness in faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Now, these people are suffering because they're Christians and doing Christian things. It's not that they became Christians and then they're living their quiet life and, and they got the regular hardships that anyone in town has. They're suffering because they're living for Jesus and they're doing Jesus things and they're being called out on it. This is evidence of the, oh, look at this, righteous judgment of God. There it is, this truth baked in there, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Okay? Some of this truth we're going to come back to when it talks about what's the difference between a Christian martyr and being an um, irresponsible victim. Okay? Which won't be today. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction. Wait a minute. We just talked about Christians doing a good job loving Jesus and being persecuted for it. Look at the hope Paul is giving to the Christians. Since indeed God considers it just. Not as in, we just come to you today. No, this is just as in justice. To repay with affliction those who afflict you. Christians, if you suffer because of doing something Christian, don't worry, God's going to kick their butt. 
they will experience justice and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When, now this is the loving Lord Jesus, right? When the loving Lord Jesus, I added loving, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, and they're going to come down and they're going to sing Kumbaya and have a love fest, right? No, look what it says. This is, this is the New Testament. This is the New Testament Jesus. In flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God. So that's that family member of mine who posted that existential dread because he's too smart. And flaming fire and afflicting vengeance is going to be his reward for not knowing God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. This is the loving, hugging Jesus. This is the New Testament Jesus. Uh, what, what's the difference between that and the Old Testament God? Hello? Right. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. Jesus is leading the charge of justice on people who do not obey Jesus. They don't know God. And that no isn't just, oh, well, I didn't know God was there. I didn't, oh, I didn't know. No, what that means is no. Like, you know you have friends. You know your friends. You have a relationship with them. That's a relational no. And do not obey. Right? By the way, this is where freedom is. Freedom is in obeying what is right. There is no freedom in being an evil poopy head. There's only freedom in loving God. But why justice? Why is Jesus going to inflict justice? That's not nice. He should come down and say, it's all been a misunderstanding. Let's all go to the Unitarian Church together. Right? 2 Thessalonians uh, 1.10 When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who believe. Those who believe are going to celebrate. They're like, what? This, whoa! This is amazing. They're going to glorify God and God's going to glorify himself through his people who believe him. And they'll, be, they'll marvel at him because our testimony to you was believed. This is Paul writing, telling them what Jesus did. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good. Now, good, justice, righteousness, that's synonymous. And every work of faith by his power. Look at this. Every work of faith by his power. You know how Joel Osteen says, God's got good stuff for you. You just got to have enough faith. Bring it up. Find some faith. Get the faith out of your pocket. Come on. Right? And they all say that. But faith comes from God. So how are you going to make more faith if you got to depend on God for the very faith you need? Everything's dependent on God. Every work of faith by His power. It all comes from God. Okay? We're almost done, believe it or not. Now, here's the big thing. 
If there's no justice, if justice is the big baddie, then there's no gospel. No one's going to heaven if there's no justice. Right? You or I can't go to heaven unless God satisfies his justice about your sin. Okay? And that's Romans 3, 20. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. That's why it's always good to practice the Ten Commandment test on people. Have you ever lied? Well, yes. Have you ever stolen? Well, yes. Okay. That's pretty much the core of the law. If you broke these things, you're not going to heaven. Well, that's not very nice. That's very nice because that's righteous and good. God must and is obligated to be just and good. Okay? Romans 3.21, but now, the, there it is, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Well, well, doesn't it mean it's opposed to the law? Nope. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, God's devised another way. And the law is helping pointing to that way. And what is that way? The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. This should sound familiar to a lot of you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's our justice. So now there's a, a new way to get to this justice through Jesus, right? Now, look at this. Romans 3.24, and are justified by his grace as a gift. Justified. There it is. You can be justified by God, by his grace through Jesus, as a gift. In other words, you can't do it. God's going to give it to you through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see that? So justice is the foundation. Amazing grace, we sang today, is defined, grace is defined by not getting, well actually by getting what we don't deserve. And mercy is not getting, is, yeah, is not getting what we deserve. That makes sense? Okay, two slides left. Hang in there. Did it change? I didn't see it change. Okay. Whom God put forward as a propitiation or satisfying um, sacrifice by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the former sins. God didn't kill their put to justice all the Jews in the Old Testament because he was waiting for the sacrifice of Christ to come. All right? He, in forbearance, he passed over their former sins, waiting for Jesus. And when Jesus is on that cross, God satisfies his justice by punishing Jesus because you and I stink. All right? That's how it works. Romans 3.26, and why did he do it? To show his righteousness, justice, goodness, it's all the same word, at the present time, so that he might be, there it is again, just, and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So how do I go to heaven? God justified me. 
I didn't justify me. God justified me. I'm not guilty because God justified me. That's the gospel. That's justice. All right? Jesus died in our place as our substitute to pay for our sins so we can be justified by faith. Right? So I want you to understand that the big message is this. Justice is good. So as we start unpacking more truths coming down the weeks, you need to realize justice is good. Okay? Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for family and friends here today to uh, study the Word. And I pray that uh, it would stick. Justice is good. In Jesus' name, amen. There's some food for thought. Please visit thespeakingdeacon.com and get connected to the growing number of social media Christians. Thespeakingdeacon.com. Truth is here.